What is going on? And welcome to another episode of the Beyond Rad podcast. My name is Chad, and this week we are joined by Mobley. James Grow, come and tell me what you know. James Grow, you're a devil in a daydream. James Grow, we're walking for me slow, singing, take it all back now, take it all back now. So, Mobley is a solo artist based out of Austin, Texas, and the dude is super, super awesome very genuine person and and just super talented as well he's got fantastic music and one of the cool things about him is he does everything on his own he writes his own music he produces his own music does his own artwork his own videos his own everything for the live shows it's pretty fantastic and it's really cool to see how hard working he is and how much he's able to uh, to accomplish and i'm really excited for you guys to to hear this interview because we dive a little bit deeper into some really important topics and it's a lot of fun to hear his perspective and to learn from him. So before we jump in, just like always, be sure to head on over to his social media, give him a like, a follow, share with him, you know, how you found out about him and, and uh, spread some love. But while you're at it, you can swing on over to the podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and like follow there as well and you know if you enjoy the content here if you enjoy this interview be sure to share it with your family your friends those who you care about and it would be greatly appreciated but without further ado let's just jump right on in all right man well thank you so much for joining me on the podcast dude i really uh, i really appreciate it absolutely thank you for having me yeah man so i always like to just start out you know quick quick introduction of yourself Tell us a little bit about who you are, and and then we obviously get to start talking about the uh, um, about your music, but then also um, the new music that you that you recently released, and and uh, so yeah, just start out with just a little bit about who you are. Yeah, I'm Mobley. I am a musician, um, songwriter, producer, performer, uh, based out of Austin, Texas. Nice man, beautiful area out there. Yeah. Cool stuff, man. So how long have you been uh, been making music for? Uh I don't know exactly how long I've been making music, <laughs> but I've been I've been a full time professional musician for about five years. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, I uh, I started, you know, obviously when um when Sloan reached out to me, I, I started, you know, just kind of looking into all the music. You've you've definitely been been pumping out some good stuff, man. So uh so props Thank to you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, one of the questions that I that I'm always intrigued by one of the, the answers, I guess, not necessarily the question itself, but, uh, um, you know, when you when you decided to pull that trigger and, and become a full time musician, what was what was like the biggest the biggest motivator for you to to make that a reality, to make it be a full time musician? Uh, I mean, honestly, music is a pretty precarious uh, industry and. I had been um, making music for for a while, and I just became a full time musician when I made enough money doing that to not have to do other things. That's awesome. Um, I I would like to say that that was the result of some special talent or work ethic that I have, but it's I don't believe in that. I think it's it's pretty random. I, I work hard, and I think I have talent, but I, I also think it's an unfair system, and I just happen to get lucky. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. I, I would, I would say it's a good combination of all, you know, um, because obviously 
if you don't have talent and you aren't hardworking, you won't get to the point where you can be lucky. So, <laughs> right, right. So, so yeah, I definitely agree though, man. It's, it is a kind of right place, right time. So what happened for you? What, what fell into place that made it possible for you to, uh, to make that transition? Um, it, it's, it's kind of, it's actually kind of a weird story. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know everything that happened. Um, but in terms of the stuff that I know about, um, I, I, at, at the time I, I currently perform as a solo artist, so I'm uh-huh. the only person on stage. Um, but I, but I do kind of a full band type setup. So in, uh, in my shows I play guitar and bass and keys and drums and, oh, dang. and lots of other stuff. But at the time I, I had, I was, I was playing as, as a duo, um, with, with a, with a drummer and, uh, we were booked on a, like six or eight week tour. Um, and a couple weeks before the tour was supposed to kick off, um, my, my drummer, I uh, ended up getting injured and, and he needed to stay home. Um, so that he could keep working and not lose insurance so that he could take care of his injury. Heck yeah. And, um, so I had to choose between dropping off the tour, playing the tour acoustic or, um, coming up with something else. Uh, and so I opted to come up with something else. And so I kind of scrambled to put together this, this show where through, you know, looping and, and triggering samples and a bunch of other, um, kind of technical, technical, uh, wizardry. I, I was able to kind of perform the songs as they were intended on the record, as opposed to doing a stripped down thing. Yeah. And I think a a combination of, of that, you know, kind of doing something new and different, um, cause it was the same songs, but the reaction was very different because it was just one person on stage. So a combination of that, and then also just it only being me not Mm -hmm. not splitting the money anymore um those two things meant that i could could do it full time dang man so uh so obviously austin is a pretty pretty intense market you know obviously there's a there's the south by southwest is kind of the main thing people know but but austin is a really big music hub um yeah and so i imagine it was quite competitive there so for for you what were some of the the biggest things that like um, that you had to overcome to uh, to really make it possible to be a musician and be successful at it in Austin? Yeah, um, it, it's definitely a a a fully saturated music market. There are so many uh, really really talented and driven musicians and bands and artists here um i think you know i I, it the 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 nature of this industry um you know for for people who are listening who aren't in it is that you kind of you kind of throw everything in the wall at the wall and and hope that something sticks (laughs) yeah Um, you don't there's, there's no, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no clear path to success the way there might be in other industries. It's not like you, you get a degree and then you get hired by some company and then you get promotions and then you're at the top of your field. It's, it's very mysterious how things are working. Definitely. Um, and so, uh, 
you know, what it felt like from my perspective is it felt like I was doing the same things I'd always done. And suddenly it started working better. Um, Okay. So I I don't know exactly what, (laughs) what happened that, um, that what clicked that the things started working better, but I started getting, you know, better press looks. I got, um, attention from like a management company. I got signed like those, they just, the, the things just happened though. Like it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like, I wish I knew cause I wish I could tell people, okay, here are the things you should do, but it's all still completely mysterious to me how any of it happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, though, one of the, one of the big things that stands out is you've got a really rad sound and you've got a lot of talent. That's quite obvious. And so th- that, that isn't to say that, that other bands don't, but um, you know, that's, that's definitely helpful. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously in a saturated market, the, you know, like Nashville, like LA, New York, Austin is one of those markets, Atlanta yeah. for a different type of music scene. Um, all those markets are very saturated. And, and like you said, you know, trying out new things and, and just finding out what sticks. I, I imagine that, that a lot of other bands are doing that too. So, you know, it's a matter of that timing and, and, uh, finding that thing that sticks at that good moment and uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, man, it, it is, it is interesting. I don't, I don't know if you've ever read the um, anything by Malcolm Gladwell, but uh, I, you're talking about the 10,000 hour thing. Yeah, man. And, and even just when he talks about like, um, you know, um, Bill Gates, you know, he's like, Bill Gates is, he was just full of, there was a lot of lucky situations. Like what were the right. odds that his school was the one school, one of the few schools in the country that had this program with computers for him to work on. Right. Like, right. And then and all these different things fell into place. And so it's, I, I kind of think that that's probably what happened for you as well Is it's just like, you know, were you, were you born and raised in Austin? I wasn't, I, oh, okay. I kind of grew up all around the world. My, we oh, moved dope. a lot for my dad's work. Um, but I, I, uh, I moved out here to pursue music. Nice man. So, uh, so from all around the world, I mean, I'd imagine that's probably another big, a big impact too. Cause, um, you know, where, where are some of the places that, that you'd say you kind of pulled inspiration or maybe you didn't, maybe you did. I don't know <laughs> for, yeah, for you um, like growing up, I'm assuming you, you kind of pulled inspiration from various places that you lived, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I would say, you know, just in general, um, always being the new kid and always having to adapt to new situations and, and learn what the, what the rules are, wherever you are and, and how people operate and the things they like and all those things. Um, that's definitely a part of the way that I create music as well. Um, and you know, I, so I lived, um, I've lived all over the United States and lived around, uh, various parts of Western Europe, but, um, I learned to read and write in England. And, um, I think, uh, I think that a lot of my aesthetic sensibilities, um, about art in general, but, um, but, uh, as far as music in particular were, were pretty heavily shaped by my, my time there. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just in general being open to, uh, a lot of different ideas and being willing to draw inspiration from a lot of uh, a, a lot of different and, and relatively disparate sources is a big part of what my, 
what what makes my sound yeah dude that's so cool i this this type of stuff is always really really rad to me because i grew up in utah which is a fairly sheltered place i'd say you know it's it's very yeah. it's very kind of one track everyone's everyone kind of thinks the same which i don't think there's necessarily many problems as long as as long as you understand that other people think differently you know um yeah. but uh but when i moved to houston that was when my eyes were open to like how cool the world is you know <laughs> and uh i lived in houston um total overall i lived in houston four and a half years um but i lived there in two different stints of of time and uh and so i kind of see where you're coming from there and i i think it's really really awesome I, I think that's fascinating you know growing up around the world you probably have so many different perspectives that that could really benefit the people you interact with or benefit your interactions. Um, and so one of the questions that I had as a follow-up to that was, you know, you said you kind of approach writing in the way that you approached life in general, which was being the guy from the outside, um, looking in almost like the, the, or not, not that, uh, the, the new guy, the guy who's kind of having to adapt to a new scenario. Um, so explain to me what you, you necessarily, like what you mean by that when it comes to your writing process. Yeah, um, I, I think I think it, it has it has two kind of inflections when it comes um, when it comes to my writing. So on the musical side, I would say um, it it kind of manifests itself in in a um, a kind of wandering quality that I think that my ear has, like, I, I really like, I really like for, uh, I really like exploring a lot of different kinds of sounds and I really like to try to, um, to see what, what my voice, um, my metaphorical and my literal voice sounds like over, over these different kinds of soundscapes. Um, so I, I kind of have a drive to, to explore sonically that I think is related to that, but then, from the lyrical standpoint, um, I I like to uh, I like to paint a picture of the world, of society, of whatever you know, whatever realm I'm describing mm-hmm. that isn't that isn't necessarily bound by the perspective of someone that is completely within it, mm-hmm. um, a perspective. I like to try to bring a perspective perspective to it that is shaped by um, not just by the views of people kind of on the inside looking out, but like you said, also from from the views of people outside looking in. So um, I, I'd say that's kind of the way that that it it shows up in my my writing approach. Man, that's so cool. I like I said, for me, this is the the most fun. Just like understanding perspectives of other people is one of the, my favorite things in this world. <laughs> cause, cause I, and I think that's why music stands out to me so much. Cause that's, that's really what music is, is, is writing about the world from, from your lens. Right. Um, yeah. and for you, like, when was it in your life that you were like being a musician? That's, that's what I want to do. When, when did that happen to you? When did that kind of like, um, tipping point hit? I think that, uh, in some respect, I, 
had always wanted to be a musician. Um, I started started playing instruments when I was about five years old, awesome. and um, and music was always uh, a big part of my um, my self concept and and my emotional world. Mm-hmm. But but I was a pretty practical kid. Um, I was like what what you would call an overachiever um and i don't see anything wrong with that by the way (laughs) (laughs) uh so i i was definitely focused on you know getting good grades getting into a good school and i figured that i would um i would go into some profession um probably probably law was what i was thinking cool man Um, because i just didn't you know I, I, I understood how to make that happen and yeah. I didn't know any professional musicians. I had no idea what it would take to become a professional musician. Mm-hmm. It's just like, those are kind of people off away in the distance, um, who almost <laughs> yeah. aren't even real. It's, you know, unless it you does know feel them. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would say when I was, um, when I, when I, after I picked up guitar and, and really started writing songs, uh, it became clear that it was, it was, it was more than a hobby. It was something that I was pretty obsessed with and that I was going to spend a lot of time doing no matter what. And so then, you know, the practical thing to do was, well, I, I should try to find a way to make a living doing this so that I can spend as much time on it as possible. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. You know, the practical mind coming in and, and kind of analyzing, okay, how can I make this? If, if this is what I'm going to do, I need to do it. Right. And, and I think, I think a lot of people could benefit from that mentality of, Hey, you know, if I find something I love and I want to do it, I need to figure out how to do this in such a way that, that I can actually really do it because if you're, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to just kind of half a, you know, it's, it's not really valuable to you, you know? Um, and so when, uh, you know, obviously you said overachieving, going through school, you know, do you think a lot of that came from, from the fact that you were jumping around to different schools and that was kind of like the main thing that you could, could grasp or was that just kind of who you were from the beginning? Uh, I think it was just uh, like, honestly, and I, I, I hope I don't sound cocky about it. Cause no, I, no, I, especially, especially <laughs> now, like I don't have, like, I don't, I don't place the same importance on this stuff that I did when I was younger. And I, and I think that, that there are a lot of problems with the way this stuff works, but in terms of like the school stuff, that was always just very easy to me. Yeah. Um, it was very easy to get good grades and it was very easy to, um, to excel in that stuff. Uh, that's just, that was just one of my strengths. Yeah. And so since I knew that, you know, getting good grades, getting into a good college, all that stuff could, um, could lead to setting me up with the kind of life that I might want to have. I just put energy into it. Yeah. And then, you know, when it became clear that it was more important to me to be able to, um, to be able to write songs than it was to be able to afford a house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, I, I re I rearranged my, um, my priorities around that to me. I think, ever since I was a little kid, I, um, I've always had a strong sense that time was really important and valuable. Mm -hmm. And I always hated when I felt like I was wasting time. 
And um, so I, I didn't want to waste time working some job I hated if I, if there was any possible way that I could actually spend my life on the things that I cared about. I mean, props to you, man. That's, that's something that's really difficult to have as like a mentality. And obviously, you know, um, I, I would imagine you consider yourself pretty fortunate to have that mentality because oh, yeah. it does, it is very, it's a blessing for a lot, you know, in a lot of things in life to have that mentality of, of not wanting to stop, not wanting to slow down. And do you think, do you think it was that like, I, this is me just kind of inferring from what you were talking about, you know, school being so easy and like having a clear path. Do you think it was like the partially the challenge of, of the unknown of music that kind of pushed you to it? I think there was definitely something like that there. I would say that, um, you know, like getting good grades and all that stuff was never particularly gratifying. It just felt like the thing I was supposed to do. Yeah. But then, you know, writing, writing songs and making records and playing shows is definitely, um, when I, when I, when I, especially writing songs, Yeah. Uh, but but when I, when I first started writing songs, it was like, it was such a high and it still is, but, but it was completely different then. Yeah. Um, yeah. that it's like, Oh, this is like, this is what being gratified feels like. This is what being fulfilled feels like. And, um, you know, if I'm only going to be, if I'm only going to be around for, you know, a handful of decades or something, then I want to. I want to be having this feeling as much as possible. You know, I, I was, I grew up working class. I had lots of crappy jobs mm -hmm. um, when I was younger and I definitely know what it feels like to, uh, to spend all of your time doing something you hate because you have to, to survive. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, I, I wanted to do whatever I could to, to, to avoid that. And, and honestly, a lot of the path toward getting to the point where I'm at right now, where I'm a professional musician was just doing a lot of crappy work yeah. that I didn't like to, you know, to pay the rent. But, um, but I, but I was really, um, determined, I would say to, to do whatever I could do to make sure that that wasn't going to be the rest of my life. Yeah, man. Dude, that's so cool. I, I think that's, that's a, like an inspirational story to me. Cause it's like, there really are so many people who who maybe just don't take the chances because you know they understand what what they have to do to you know like you were talking about right like yeah i have to do a crappy job that i hate but that's to pay the bills and that's all they know so they kind of just stick with it you know and uh i like it when when people like you push the status quo and say you know what i i can make i can make something happen here and and you just take the bull by the horns and just run with it. Um, I, I would, I would definitely okay. say that, you know, um, like I said before, I feel extraordinarily lucky. It feels very random. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I hope it, it would be my hope, especially given what I know about myself and my priorities that we can move toward a society where people don't have to have to take on so much risk to make that happen. Yeah. Because you know, being a musician, I've known so many people who, in order to pursue their passion, they're constantly flirting with homelessness, poverty, like illness, physical illness, mental yeah. illness, all these risks associated um, 
with taking these sorts of chances. And, you know, like, for example, if I, if I'd had a kid when I was younger, which could have happened, you know, yeah, it happens to a lot of people. There are definitely chances that I wouldn't have taken because I wouldn't have felt that it was right to risk that for another person. Yeah. Um, so, so I hope that, you know, we can, there's, there's, we have so many resources in this country. Um, I, I would hope that we can move toward a place where, where we, we can make sure that all the things that need to get done in the society get done, but also that people have some freedom to really pursue the things that they feel driven to do as opposed to the things that they feel like they have to do to survive. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true, man. It's, it is amazing to, uh, to think how, how, you know, there are so many, so many resources yet. We, we tend to squander them in places that are unnecessary. (laughs) It's just kind of, it's really sad, you know, like we've got so many, uh, you know, quote unquote, um, you know, public representatives who don't really represent the public. And, uh, so yeah, man, I, I definitely feel that for sure. And, uh, you know, for like, I, I think that's, that's super valuable insight too, because like you said, you know, for me, I was even looking back, I've, I've got two kids of my own. I, um, my wife and I, we've been married, uh, almost nine years now. And, uh, and there were risks that I haven't taken because of exactly what you said. You know, I kind of took the like one of the biggest risks I took was, was changing my careers about two years ago. I, I went for a major career change and it just changed everything, but it was a huge, you know, it's $14,000 worth of school debt. And then the unknown of, of a new career path of not knowing who or where to look. And, and so, yeah, yeah I get that, man. It, that risk that could have easily broken us. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And so, which is, which is terrible. Like, yeah. like you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to feel that way. To, exactly. To, to change the way you spend your time. You yeah, know? I agree, man. I, I think that's some, I think that's some really positive insight too. It really is true. Like you shouldn't have to feel like it's putting food on the table or happiness. It should be both. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. And one of the, the questions that kind of came to my mind as you were, as you were talking about you know, your whole, your whole path that you've chosen and, and where you went. One of the questions that, that always pops up into my head is who, who were some of the, like the people who made that possible in your life? Because uh, as a little bit more clarification on the question, uh, I think a lot of people discount the impact of, of, you know, family members, friends, influences in their life of teachers or whoever it is who, who kind of, make those paths possible. You know what I mean? Almost like they give you the, the, the mind to say, this is real. This is possible. This is something that I can achieve. And you, you actually think that way. Cause there are a lot of people who don't think that way because they haven't had that type of, of influence in their life. Yeah. I think that's really true. Um, my parents, uh, definitely raised me believing that I could basically do anything I wanted to do. Um, and I think a lot of kids have that, but I think a lot of things in the way the world is set up conspire to make you doubt that more and more, especially, you know, depending on certain ways in the world in which the world might see you. Definitely. Um, but my parents were really, um, great about reinforcing that to me. And then, 
you know, when I, when I did end up making the choice to do something pretty unconventional and pursue, um, pursue a career in music, I have so many, I have so many friends and colleagues who really don't get any support from, from their family. I mean, so rough. Lo- lots of people are either, you know, on the worst end of the spectrum, their families are, are outright negative openly toward them about it. But they even, even on the kind of better end of the spectrum, so many people have to deal with like just passive aggressive yeah. nonsense about what are you going to do if you fail? <laughs> right. About the way that they're choosing to spend their time. But my parents were 100% supportive um, from day one. And I, I can't imagine how much harder it would have been if on top of all of the like, the, the questioning and self-doubt that I was doing internally. I had, I had people who, you know, who, who were supposed to be supporting me, but were, were just making me doubt it even more. I, I don't know if I would have been able to do it yeah. you know, uh, if I'd had that extra hurdle to, to jump. So, um, yeah, my parents created a really supportive and nurturing environment for, I, I'm the oldest of four, um, four boys. We, we all felt, uh, we all felt empowered to do <clears throat> the things that we felt passionate about and, and, and knew that we would have support from home in that stuff. That's awesome, man. Well, first off, well done to your parents. Um, I think like you said, you know, there, there aren't enough really positive support in supporting individuals out there, you know? And, and yeah. I feel like if, if, a if parents can do, you know, my parents were in the same, same realm as yours, where it was very encouraging, um, you know, Hey, you've got talent in this. Let's, let's cultivate that talent. Let's help you grow. And, yeah. uh, that it really is a huge, huge impact in on just society as a whole, not just you as an individual, because now you have, you know, it, it's a, it's a nice ripple effect, right? Your parents have created someone with, with work ethic, with, um, self-worth where you, yeah. where you vet, you genuinely understand that you're valuable. And then now you're passing that through to, with your music to other individuals who may not have that. And so now you're kind of adding to the good that your parents have done. And I think that's really, really awesome. Um, And so, you know, when, when you look back and, and uh, you know, you said you started playing music at five or playing instruments at five. um, I would imagine that that music must've been at least a pretty big thing in the household. Um, Are there any like musicians that you can attribute your, your real inspiration to at growing up? You know, I was the only person in the house out of the six of us who really did music. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. My, my, my next youngest brother played guitar a little bit when, um, when he was in high school. Um, and my, my youngest brother played a little bit of piano. Um, he's recently picked up guitar. Oh, nice. I gave him, I gave him one of my old guitars. Awesome. Um, but, uh, but there wasn't, you know, there was music around the house in that it like we listened to records and stuff, but um, it wasn't it actually wasn't a big part of life. Uh, I didn't realize how important it was to me individually, honestly, until years later, looking back and thinking about just how much of how much how much mental real estate was taken up on like <laughs> yeah. learning the lyrics to the songs and, and pouring over liner notes and CDs and stuff like that. I I, I realize now like that was the thing I was really interested in. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, in terms of specific influences, 
I, I don't really have one. Um, I, I will say uh, when I was younger and when I was first picking up guitar, there was... So when, when I, I was making the decision to, between drums and guitar, I, I thought I wanted to play drums. And then, um, and then I heard this, this song, this Jimmy World song. Oh, nice. And, and it had a wild guitar solo in it. And so, so I changed my mind at the last minute. From, <laughs> it, was around, it was around Christmas time. It was going to be my Christmas present. So I changed my mind at the last minute from um, drums to guitar. And when I started playing guitar, that's when I started writing songs. So that's kind of, that was kind of the impetus of, uh, of the, of the journey I'm on now. So I guess if there's, if there's one direct influence, um, then it would be Jimmy Eat world. Yeah. Dude. I, I mean, Jimmy Eat world is, they're phenomenal, man. Yeah, they're <laughs> they, a great man. They've had such an impact on my, on my musical interests and just like, so many like the the direction of so much music so that's awesome man um thinking back to like your first song that you wrote what like you said that that now like when you first started writing music you said it was it was um i can't remember the exact term that you used um but in in terms of what was that i said it was a high yeah yeah so like looking back to when you first started writing music and feeling that high for the first time like what were you writing about that really, that really started giving you this, um, I don't know, like giving you that, that excitement? Or was it just writing in general? Uh, I, I think it was really just writing in general. I okay. mean, I was, I'm definitely not particularly proud of any of the lyrics of my first, <laughs> first songs. Um, they're, 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 I think they're good lyrics, but I wasn't, I know that I wasn't actually saying anything. Yeah. I know that it was just words because, I was at that point I was just figuring out how to, how to shape sounds and, and songs into, into pieces of art. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had to figure out, I think I had to learn how to write before I could find my voice uh, as a writer. Yeah. And yeah. so, so early on it was just the, you know, just the, just the experiment, the, excuse me, the experience of, of um, like just piling up this collection of songs that, I had written that, that alone was, was really exciting. Um, just that, the the high that comes from, from creating something, um, was, was what it was. But then, you know, after, after it, that became more, um, after that became more mundane, after I became more, um, more kind of grounded in my, in my certainty that I knew how to make a song, then I think I was able to start making active decisions about what what my voice as a writer was going to be like, what what kind of things I was going to write about and 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 the way that I would write about them. Yeah. So did that did that kind of come when you moved to Austin when you found that voice or was that would you find that earlier on? Uh, I would say it definitely came after I moved to Austin. Okay. Um, I, I think it was, I think it was there. Like I can, I can see traces of it and I, I definitely can trace, um, intentionality in some of the things that I wrote where they, they would, they would fit right in with the things I'm writing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was less consistent. Um, it was, it was more random and, and less consistent. Um, I would say it's, it's, it's been over the past, you know, 
five or six years that I've really gotten to a point where I, where I have some control over that stuff and, and can sit down and intentionally express something as opposed to like just playing some chords and seeing what happens and then trying to write words to fit to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, based on the timeline, it doesn't sound as much of random chance that you, you know, were able to start making this a full-time actual career, like life, you know, where, you know, you found your voice and that's when things started falling into place. I, I don't, I don't believe that that's terribly too much, con- um, you know, uh, you know, just convenience. I think that's those yeah. probably tied together pretty darn closely. Cause you know, once you have a voice and you have meaning behind who you are, there's, I always tell people this. I can kind of tell when someone like when you listen to a song, whether you like the style, whether you like the the lyrics, whether you like it or not, like you can tell when a musician is is invested in their art and you can tell yeah. when they when they have put their, you know, put themselves into the music. It's is there's just something different about the energy that a song creates. And, yeah. And I so, I, yeah, I think that that's probably a pretty big impact for for you having been able to you know take this thing and and start touring and really you know become a musician people yeah. start to sense hey this guy knows what's up he has a, yeah. he, he actually has a real meaning he's not just spewing stuff out there just to say stuff he's actually like letting his soul be heard and i think that's pretty magical stuff well i hope you're right because <laughs> then you can at least give someone direction right <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's something that i've found really difficult is a lot of musicians really you know that break they were like you know it, we don't know how it all worked out we were sending out demos to this many people and you know reaching out to these different companies and these different people and and it was really like you said just so much just legwork that they aren't sure what part of the legwork actually paid off right <laughs> Right. Totally. And so I want to jump into obviously the, the new EP, um, brand new. Um, I I'm assuming you've been sitting on it for at least a little bit. Usually that's what I've found is, is pretty common. So when did you, when did you get this thing recorded? I recorded this in 2019. Oh dang. Um, So it's been a while. Yeah. Well, I wrote it at the end of 2018. I recorded it I recorded some of it at the end of 2018 and then the rest of it in 2019. And the plan was to release it in early 2020. So like a relatively regular timeline. Yeah. 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 But, um, we put out the first single in February and then like two weeks later, COVID really landed in the United States. And so that threw the whole timeline off. So, um, we delayed the, we delayed the release by almost a year. Um, and so, that's why it's been such a, yeah. such a long timeline. So how this, this is one that, that I feel like probably eats at musicians when that type of stuff happens. So how, like, I guess it's maybe, you know, a, a loaded question here, but how much, you know, relief and how much weight is off your shoulders being able to have this thing finally out there? You know, it's funny. Um, it, I'm definitely glad that people are hearing it and, the feedback has been really great and people seem to be enjoying it and that's definitely gratifying. But, um, but honestly just having, having lived in the world as it's been for the past year and, um, and, and, and to have all this happening against the backdrop of such massive suffering and death, Mm -hmm. um, 
this has been a this has really been a time that for me um i've really i've really had to reorient myself around the things that i that i think are really important mm-hmm. um and i think i think music like capital m music music as a field of human endeavor is really important yeah and i think my music is important to a, a small group of people but there are definitely other important things yeah other more important things. yeah and so like i'm i'm excited about the release um and all that but um my focus has been on my focus has been on other things you know the other the other thing that happened is <laughs> because my timing is so impeccable i put out the record at the end of a week that saw tens of millions of people in 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 texas lose power and water yeah for a week um so yeah, my, my mind has just been elsewhere. Yeah. I, I um, mean, and that's, that's so fast. That's so true because like, man, the world, especially within the last 18 months, the world has just been like a constant, you know, it's been like one historical thing after another. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is for the history books. And then the next week, oh, well this trumps that one, this one, Trump, you know, like, and not like not the name Trump, but like, you know, Trump right. card, Trump, um, you know, this yeah. one, this one overcomes and it, and it becomes, it becomes more. And, and it's just like, it almost became like, you know, these, I, I feel like, for, especially for like the younger generation, like these high schoolers and like these, these little kids, you know, these younger generation rising up, like, I don't, they don't know what, like what calm is. Yeah. And so you're right, man. Like the world is just in a, a different place from the time you wrote it first off even even so to the time that you that you recorded it and so it's yeah. like man i i can i i feel like that's kind of a bummer though to take that to have that damper on on that man <laughs> I, I it doesn't feel like a damper to me oh good um, good I, I i get what you're saying but honestly a lot of what i was saying in the record was about that yeah um, it's true you know as as tumultuous as things feel now in a mainstream way, you know, they've always been that way for somebody. There, there have always been people who are living in war torn countries or countries that, um, or, or countries that are kind of, that are racked by poverty, even people in the United States, like the, as peaceful as it has been for those of us who are fortunate to have partaken in that peace, it has also been, you know, the last century, the last two centuries, the last five centuries have also been, a really tumultuous time, a really violent time for lots of other people. Yeah. So, um, so the, the record was kind of about that anyway. Um, so honestly it just feels, it feels more, it feels more relevant and more, um, more, more germane to what's going on now than it would have even when I wrote it, I think. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a really, really profound perspective to have because that's something that now I look back, I'm like, man, I've been, I've been kind of selfish thinking of, you know, just where, where we're at right here. Right. And I think that's really powerful to think to like that statement you made, you know, it's always been that way for someone that opened my eyes. That's huge. And, uh, it just allows you to be more humane. I think that's really important. So if there, if there's any takeaway for anyone listening, that's my <laughs> takeaway right there, man, yeah. is, is I think that's really a really awesome perspective to have to understand, Hey, 
yeah, I've been fortunate. I've been very blessed. I've been very lucky, but there's someone out there who is on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. And I need to be mindful of that, man. That's cool. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just like, I'm like sitting here like, boom, mind blown, you know? (laughs) Uh, So, so uh, tell me like the, the name of the album, what does that, what does that mean? Young and dying in the Occident Supreme. Yeah. So for people who are reaching for a dictionary right now, Occident just means West. Um, And uh, Occident Supreme in this case is just my kind of, um, my lyrical way of describing what is called Western society. And usually that means Western Europe and then countries that have been kind of dominated by um, white Western Europeans who colonized other places like the United States, like Canada, Australia, and so on. And there's this, um, there is this, this way of thinking, um, that says well the reason that these places are the way they are and the reasons that they're so wealthy and that they they kind of dominate um global politics and and economics and and to a certain extent culture is because there is some inherent superiority there and that people in the rest of the world are inferior and that's why things are the way they are yeah and um obviously i don't believe that I think most people, if you ask them that in those terms, they would say that they don't believe it. Yeah. But, but I think we, we also seem to be okay with some people living a certain kind of life and other people living another kind of life, um, in a way that would suggest we think that's natural and normal and okay. Um, and so I think that even if we, even if lots of people don't, don't embrace those ideas explicitly, that there's an implicit embrace of those ideas that, that kind of makes the logic of the current world order. Okay. For, for people. And so, um, the record is, is, is about questioning those ideas and, and also, you know, so the, the phrase comes from a poem that I wrote that is, that opens the, um, that opens the record. Uh, it's read on on the the record by a friend of mine who's an immigrant from Mexico. Yeah, and, um, the line young uh, the line in the in the poem is um, how good it is to be young and dying in the Occident Supreme, and that was just a reflection on you know living in the United States, the most wealthy and by certain measures prosperous country in the history of the world, but then to be surrounded by just so much suffering and so much poverty and so much needless death and the tension between the idea that this is the greatest nation ever. And also this is a nation that either can't or isn't, isn't willing to take care of all of the people within its borders. Um, let alone all the people that it, that it could help outside its borders. Yeah. Um, and so, um, the record, yeah, the, the record's about that. It's about challenging that idea of, um, cultural and parenthetically racial supremacy and, and, um, and the need to, to replace those ideas with better, um, newer ideas that, that can lead us to a more equitable, just peaceful world for everyone. Yeah. So this is something that I, that I constantly am, you know, looking at, like I'm constantly, I, 
I try to see, you know, I try to listen to various different um, arguments on, on both sides and try and understand, you know, I like, I think, I feel like Joe Rogan's a pretty good example of, of listening to everyone and trying to come up with his own, his own feelings and thoughts on it, you know? And uh, I think that, that it's so important to, to do what you said, to see things from a greater perspective. Cause like for me, I, I love what like the, the constitution, right. You know, that, that all men are created equal. We all have, you know, inherent power individually as, as everyone. And like our, our entire purpose of being on this earth, in my opinion, is to lift our brothers and sisters and uh and so i think that that like yeah it's really important that we see that we see suffering and that's the hardest part right is is we we get so siloed in in the world especially with with all the technology we have we get so siloed and we stop seeing the really important things we stop seeing our neighbors we stop seeing our friends and our family and we we start seeing groups and i'm like man i want to see I want to see Mobley. I want to see my sister. I want to see my brother. I want to see them individually and, and talk with them and, and lift and help. And, uh, and I want to see the world that same way. You know, I want to see everyone around me in that same light. So I think that's really, really powerful, man. Um, and I think obviously one of the, the biggest things is, is perspective too. Like you have a very different perspective from, from someone like me. Um, because first off you grew up around the world. So you've probably seen quite a bit different things than I have. I've only lived here in the U S and that's very different, you know? Sure. And, uh, yeah, I, I think speaking on perspective to, um, something that I, I've, I've, I think I think about more and more now, um, is the limits of perspective because I think, you know, in, in, in the United States, in the dominant culture in this country, kind of the ways that we, if we want to get somebody to care about something, a lot of times, um, you know, you see this in the way that charity is framed up. You see this in the way that movies are made and books are written and all that. If you, if you want to get someone to care about something, you get, you get them to imagine themselves in someone else's position. Yeah. Which, which has its value for, for, for sure. But there are, there are limits to that. There are, there are limits to perspective. I can only, I can only so accurately imagine what someone else's life or perspective or position might be like. And that is where the importance of having a value around equity and around, you know, the sharing of power, the sharing of resources becomes really important because it's important that I care about the plight of someone who, whose perspective is impossible for me, for me to imagine. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's important for, for me to, to care about their, you know, their right to exist on this, this little floating rock in space as an equal, mm -hmm. um, regardless of my ability to understand, uh, where they're coming from. And so I, I think, you know, I think empathy is great. And I think trying to see the world through other people's perspective is absolutely a thing that people should be doing a yeah. lot more of. I don't think yeah. we do enough of it. But on top of that, I also think we we should we should be approaching the world like, hey, you know, there are what seven billion of us 
And no single one of us has any more right to say how the world should be set up than another. I, yeah, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Cause that's, you're right. Like that's something that I, I definitely understand the limitation to my perspective, because like you said, it, it, it's almost, it's imagining, right? It's, it's a limitation of your imagination. Yeah. Whereas like you said earlier, it's someone's reality somewhere and right. you, they don't have to imagine it. They're living it. Right. And, uh, and so for like, obviously a lot of times I've found that, that musicians and artists, a lot of it is to, you know, the, um, the topics and the, the perspectives that they're bringing to the table are to, to, dis, to, you know, create discussion and create dialogue to help move things in the direction where everyone truly is looked at as a valuable human being who, who has the right, not just the right, but has more than just the right to live here on the earth. They, you know, they have a purpose here. They have, they can, they, they provide value to everything, you know, like the world is, the world is, is worse off when someone, someone here doesn't feel that they have a purpose. The word, the world is worse. Right. I, I, I think that that's so, that's a perspective that I don't understand how not everyone has. (laughs) I don't get that. But for you, like, is, is this more just a, you know, a a night? Cause like it is, it's a good starting point, right? Like having songs out there, having, having this message out there, what, what do you, what can we like, in your opinion, what should we be doing to, to help other people see the world in a way that, they actually value their neighbors, their friends, and those who they don't know, those people who they've never seen and they've never met, but who are going through this stuff. What's, what's the way that we do that? Well, I think for me, um, every time that I've had a perspective shift um, in my adult life where I may, maybe other people will, maybe other people will um, identify with what I'll say here, but Occasionally something will happen and it'll feel like I've opened a door or, or a door to a new room has been opened to me. And it's, and it's like, oh, I didn't even realize there was anything in here. And there's all these things, all these ideas, all these ways of understanding that I didn't have access to before mm-hmm. that have now opened up to me. Um, in my adult life, every single time that's happened, it has been facilitated by by taking on um taking on taking seriously the 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 perspective the thoughts the the concerns the priorities of people with less power every time it's happened it's been because there's some group of people that for whatever reason whether it's gender or race or country of origin or or whatever it might be ha- have less power have less less wealth less influence and, um, and, 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 and therefore have, are less bought into the kinds of myths around why things are the way they are. Um, to, to say it another way, like if you, if you are, if the world is currently serving you well, you're making a, you're making a good living, you're happy, you're healthy then you have reasons to believe that things are the way that they should be. Yeah. But if the world isn't doing that for you, then you have reasons to question the way things are. And so people who, who the world isn't, 
current isn't currently serving well people who the world is is falling short for are really experts at questioning the way things are and coming up with ideas for the way things should be yeah and 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 my life has always been made better my you know my mind my my way of seeing the world has always been made better by really taking to heart the things that people in that position have to say yeah I think that's that's a great way of look of doing things of just handling life and you know looking at it like I think that uh, that's where pretty much everything falls apart is where a lot of people because like you said it, it's easy to get complacent with your life as long as you know as long as you're doing things that or as long as things are happening in a way that it feels like you know things are good and uh, and the the biggest thing for me is I I just I think that what it comes down to is, is listening. It just really comes down to being willing and taking the time to just listen to those people around you. Yeah. And I feel like it's become, I I don't know why, but like caring about someone has become like some political issue. I'm like, no, this is humanity. (laughs) This is humanity. This isn't, this isn't left or right. This isn't any, this is, this person is a valuable human being. And I, I just, I don't know. It's a, I, I, the, the interesting thing too, is I think that everyone would not like the, the ultra powerful, you know, the ultra whatever, but not the politicians, but some of them maybe, but, uh, but I think everyone, if you sat down with the people and you said, Hey, you know, does, is this important to you? Like I would say most people say, heck yeah, man, I want this person to know that they're important, you know? The rise in suicides in, in our society, it's like, dude, this needs to be fixed. Our teenagers, our young kids are are losing like this perspective that they need that they know that they're important. Like that's really sad. We need to change that. And yeah. we need to help these other people around the world have like their countries need to value them as individuals. They need to they need to respect the fact that they're they're human. Here in the US, we need to do the exact same thing. We need to respect that these people are are human and understand that. Just because you think one way doesn't make you lesser or greater than anyone else. Yeah, man, that's I think that's and like you said, you know, the the album is very timely in that, you know, right now it's it's really unfortunate to me that so much violence has happened as a result of trying to open dialogue. Um, and I want because the, the, the reason I think it's sad is I feel like violence undermines the, the power of, of the message that's trying to be um, that that should be shared. Right. Cause I I'm, I'm against violence in, in general. Like I want the wars to stop. I want, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I think that, uh, that there's so much violence in the world that it, it's almost like a, um, a hiding place for all these things to, uh, um, to exist. All of this inequality and, and injustice lives, and hidden behind wars and, and violence and things. And, uh, it's really sad to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, I think, I mean, I, I think about these things a lot so I could, I, yeah, I imagine I <laughs> forever talking about them, but you know, violence is a really interesting concept because I think, um, I think the reason that you see the stuff that gets called violence so much is because there's so much other violence underlying it that doesn't get called violence. You know, like if, if you, if you let, let, let's take an eviction, for example, 
I don't think if you ask most people, is evicting someone for not paying their rent violent? I, I think people would say, no, that's, it's just legal. You're allowed to do that. But then if you break it down to its component parts and say, you know, if this, there's a bank or there's a landlord or whatever, and they, someone owes them money, but the landlord doesn't need that money to, to survive. And the person who's, who's renting the house doesn't have the money at all. Mm-hmm. And they're going to come to that house and they're going to throw those people out on the street. They're going to do it in front of their kids. They're going to put all their stuff up on the yard. Um, if you strip away the, the kind of abstract framework of law and, 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 and break it down to the concepts of this, these are just human beings doing things to other human beings. That's really violent. That's a really violent thing to do, you know? Um, and, and that goes that goes on down the line. There are a million different, different things that we think of as legally, you know, acceptable things uh, because of the way that our framework is set up, but that, you know, when it happens to you, it feels like violence. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that, that, that breeds a more violent society. That's, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. I, I hadn't, like you said, you know, hadn't thought about that type of concept. Um, and I think, I think why I understand that where you're coming from is, is because ultimately it comes down to humanity, right? I, I talk about this a lot, like just cause something's legal doesn't make it okay. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. just because, um, just because someone says that, that that's a justifiable reason for doing something doesn't make that really truly justifiable. It may be in their mind. But I've found that the human beings are kind of kind of awful to one another just naturally. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I joke about it with like even little kids, you know, y- you can tell a lot about about, you know, people by the way their kids treat other kids. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, and so you're right. Like um, ultimately that person has the right to evict someone who's not paying rent. But humanity says talk to that person and understand where they're coming from and figure, figure something out, out. figure yeah. something out. Right. I think that's the, that's the term that, that it really comes down to figure something out. Like stop looking at people as numbers, stop looking at right. them as statistics and start looking at them as humans and everything changes your whole yeah. mindset shifts. And, and like for me, the, a lot of that perspective, a lot of that happened. I served a, a two year service mission um, I'm very, I, I love religion. I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm Christian. I love, I love the principles of Christianity because, you know, not the, not everyone who claims to be Christian is Christian because, you know, the, the way someone lives shows whether they're Christian or not, in my opinion. Sure. Um, but, uh, it really was, I learned so much. I got to, I got to be in the, in the trenches, I think is the, a really, um, fitting um, metaphor in the trenches with these people, you know, I got to see their lives and I got to talk with them about the hope that can come from come in the future, not necessarily from anything, just there is, there can be, and, and should be hope. And uh, sure. man, it was so eye opening and it was amazing. And now as a parent, it's the same thing. I'm like looking at my kids. I'm like, Hey, Let's let's constantly realize that we can make this world better, even if it's something small 
we can have an impact on on a lot of people and make their lives better. And that's really what it should come down to is make someone else's life better today. You yeah. know, man, I, I like that perspective, man. I, I really like where where you come from. Um, and I, I think that's really valuable. And these con- these types of conversations, they they people want to to politicize it. And I'm like, no, let's take politics out and be, bring back humanity. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or, or acknowledge that politics is about humanity. Politics is just like things that affect large groups of people. Yeah. Let's change how politics works. (laughs) Right. Yeah, man. Maybe, maybe that's what we need is we need someone like you who's, uh, who's out there, you know, after sharing, you know, sharing all you can with music, you know, you, you go out (laughs) and you, you change the world that way. We'll see. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, like you said, you know, I could talk about this stuff forever too, just cause it's something that, um, it's almost like beating a dead horse at times because I feel like every time I talk to to someone, we're all on the same page. We just want humanity to, to improve and look at each other as, as people. But then, you know, you look at the news and, and it basically, says that the world doesn't agree. And I'm like, no, I think, I think a large majority of us do agree with what you're saying, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it gets lost in the, in the, um, I don't know what, if, if it's not politics, you know, I, I guess it's the definition that we currently have of politics is what it gets lost in. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it gets lost in I think it it gets lost because in order to keep things the way that they are, and there are a lot of people who are heavily invested in that. Yeah. um, Yeah. Like it requires us to not see each other as fully human in the way that you, in the way that I see my mother, for example. Yeah. In the way that I see my brother. Um, Because if we did, I, I, I do tend to think you're right. I think if we, I think if we, across borders, uh, you know, across, across racial lines, across all sorts of things. And, and not that those things shouldn't be taken into consideration because history matters. Yeah. Um, learn from it. Yeah. But, um, I think if, I think if, if we, you know, the, 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 the global, the global regular people, if we all saw each other as basically, you know, um, having shared interests and if we all pursued them in common then i think the world would change radically very quickly yeah i i i tend to agree i think that that uh there's a lot of power in the quote-unquote powerless that gets overlooked because of the powerful right (laughs) they they want to they want to pit us against each other because they know that there's power in in all of us being on the same page you know, yeah, in a, in a really, you know, interesting or I, I ironic example of that was like that whole GameStop stock thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, that's, uh, that's a good microcosm for sure. Yeah. It's, it's exactly mm-hmm. what happens when people kind of band together, you know, and, and, uh, things can change. And so, man, that was a lot of fun. I, I always love to end my podcast though on just a random note. Okay. Just fun questions. Um, these are just, you know, random little tidbits about who you are. And uh, do you still have a, a few minutes? Yeah, yeah. I've got about three minutes. Awesome, man. All right. Question here for you. Favorite candy? 
man, I have a sweet tooth, so that's all. Oh, me one. too, man. <laughs> um, right now, probably um, Twizzlers. Heck yeah, dude! Oh, strawberry or cherry <laughs> or chocolate? Uh, strawberry. Yeah, strawberry. Me too. Yeah. I'm all about the strawberry. All right, next one. Favorite movie? Oh man, I am really into film. Um, but right now. This is this is a temporary designation, but right now my favorite movie is probably Knives Out. Okay, we'll make sure we put the asterisk in there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome, dude. Um, that's one that's like a like a murder mystery. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. All right, really, really, it's really what I said. It's a really good movie. Really okay. well made. I I've heard of that. I've heard that. So I, maybe I'll watch it with my wife because she and I are always looking for good stuff to watch. But yeah, all right, highly recommend. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll let you know how, what I think. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Next question here for you. Um, favorite non music related hobby. Um, either, either filmmaking or, uh, computer programming. Nice dude. That's awesome. That's my career path is crew computer programming. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, man. Nice. All what right. Coding? I, I use, uh, I'm just front end right now. So I do a lot okay. of JavaScript based languages. Um, not I've, just front end. I was a front end. Front end is really important. That's how humans interact with all the systems. Yeah, so. you're right. You're right. <laughs> I, I say just front end, meaning, you know, I, I haven't dove into the, the, you know, what they say, the superior, you know, C sharp Java. I haven't really jumped into a lot of that. I've done server side, but not like, um, not back end stuff. Um, aside from my own projects that I do, which are pretty straightforward. So, yeah. All right. Well, front end is, is super valuable. I know what the culture, I used to be a programmer, so I know what that culture is like, but front end is important. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're right. It really is like, there's a lot to it that, that people yeah. don't understand. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Last, last question here for you. Your favorite concert you've attended. That's not your own. Oh man. Um, David Byrne at ACL in 2019, I think either 2019 or 2018, his, um, his, uh, he had this, he had this show where it was like a dozen musicians on stage. Um, all, they were all moving around freely. They were all barefoot. Um, nothing was plugged in. Everything was wireless and they wow. were, they did this really kind of complex choreography and they played some of his stuff and some talking head stuff. Dang. And it was, it was really, really moving it. I cried during it. It, it reminded me of what I love about music. That's so cool. I, yeah. I love when, when musicians take the, the presentation of music to another level. I think it's yeah. so cool, man. It, it's a really great show. Well, awesome, dude, bro. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. I, I really, really appreciate it. I, I know obviously you're a busy guy. You've got a lot going on, but, uh, I want to let you know your music's fantastic. You've got a ton of talent and I'm really excited to see things continue going in the right direction for you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. And a huge thank you to you guys for checking out this episode. And if this is your first, be sure to check out last week's episode with never tell and uh, look forward to next week's episode where we'll be talking with Dial Denial. And, uh, you know, if you enjoy it, please share. It always helps. And also rate it on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. But until next time, 
Deuces.